I'm Dennis Mojado, amateur radio call sign AD6DM, and this is the Hamdom Thoughts Podcast. This is a podcast about amateur radio, prepping, software, and tinkering. In today's episode, we welcome N7KOM, Tim, also known on YouTube as Upsection N7KOM. Tim is a pretty active ham radio operator on the peaks. He ascends peaks that are snow-capped and likes to talk with people all over the country. Tim shares his adventures and lots of experience with portable radio outdoors and likes to talk about different aspects of operating. Let's get to know more about him today on episode 57. Stay tuned. Hey, Tim, welcome to the show. How hey, you doing? great to meet you, Dennis. It's great to meet you. Yeah, actually, I was, I, I've seen your videos, and I guess many others have. I was on Twitter uh, maybe a couple months ago, and WA6L replied to one of uh, my tweets, or a tweet that uh, mentioned your video, and said, you need to right. get this guy on the show. <laughs> it would be a very interesting thing if you got this guy on the show. And I was like, yeah, I, I wrote down your call sign. Well, I'm flattered. Someone's plugging me out there. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I do remember there's one uh, video in particular that I remembered, uh, and we'll get to it. We'll we'll intro it here, uh, where you are just sliding down a mountain and mm-hmm. um, glissading, as they call it, uh, from from Chris, uh, radio runner fame. It's when you're, um, you're basically just using an ice axe and, and trying to control your descent. But that was one of the the best way to go get down a mountain. If you don't have skis, gotta tell you that. (laughs) I just wonder how pants survive a lot of that, you know, (laughs) uh, they don't always, (laughs) you know, I've, I've ripped a ripped some holes in some pants and had to tape them back up. But uh, for yeah. that video for for Mount Adams, from some other project, I had a piece of plastic, you know, like thin, I don't know, like quarter inch sheet of plastic. Took some paracord and kind of wrapped it around my waist and, ah. and my butt. So <laughs> that actually that saved my pants. So make sure that day because. <laughs> that day I was only wearing running shorts and leggings, oh, so okay. that would not have survived much glissading. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you're pretty active on Summits on the Air, and mm-hmm. you have quite a few videos up in snowy mountain conditions up there. So I, I take it that's a, a kind of an aspect of your your locale. It is. Uh, I first got into mountaineering um, when I moved out here to Oregon, and... I'd done just kind of general rock climbing previously, sport climbing, trad climbing, multi-pitch stuff. But here we have these awesome volcanoes in the Pacific Northwest. 
And I just looked at him and said, I got to get into doing that. So linked up with some other friends who are interested in doing that as well. And went on Craigslist, found myself a used ice axe and used crampons and oh, nice. just kind of slowly started assembling the gear and, and doing these uh, really long hikes. I call it walking uphill forever. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. these mountains that I'm doing, they're not tech. It's not technical ice climbing where you're hanging upside down off the of two picks yeah. and, and like really kicking steps and stuff. Uh, it's just a long, long hike uphill and you just keep going and you don't stop. You ever do that though? You ever do like a figure four? So I, I do <laughs> I haven't done any figure fours, but a friend just moved up here from Utah. Who's really big into ice climbing. And I think he's going to finally give me the push to start getting into oh, the, the technical cool. roped ice climbing. That would be so cool. You gotta, you gotta incorporate that into one of your sodas where you're like doing a figure four up and up some ice oh, right, icicles yeah. hanging down flipping and, my um, my leg up over my yeah. arm to for my listeners my who don't know what that is <laughs> a figure four is when you are basically you have two ice picks or ice axes uh buried into icicles and it's vertical and so the only real way that you can get up is to like flip your leg over your arm your opposite arm and and kind of use that to leverage yourself up so you could get higher. And I wish I could better describe it. It's best seen on video, but it's a yeah, very... Yeah, you see it a lot in, in ice climbing competitions. Yeah, yeah it's a very, like, I think very, that's where uh, it's really highlighted. <laughs> it's one of those, like, picture-perfect climbing poses, right, Where when you do a figure four. And so that's what I imagine when I hear ice climbing. Yeah, I haven't done any of that yet. We'll add a yet on there. I'd love to see that. So you've got a pretty, uh, yeah, your YouTube channel is called Upsection N7KOM. And you like to share your bushwhack stories, your snowcapped peaks, as I said. And recently you shared your portable experiences uh, on Charlie's All Portable Discussion Zone, APDZ, live stream. And then also did an addendum to that your own video where you talked more about portable and operating, you know, in the field. So all that to, to ask you, I mean, why don't you tell us a bit more about yourself, your background, uh, what you do, what interests you and, and really how you got into ham radio. Yeah. So I guess uh, starting way back before ham, I used to be a geologist and always been really into the outdoors and lots of different hobbies running, cycling, climbing, mountaineering, et cetera, et cetera, all all the camping and backpacking, stuff like that. And I guess if we were to go way back in terms of radio experiences, I used to be a FM radio programmer on uh, 88.1 FM, the great 88 KZSC in uh, Santa Cruz, California uh, in undergrad. So Mm -hmm. Had a few shows there. Uh, I did a surf rock show that was very popular with the boomers, um, Saturday mornings <laughs> at 8 a.m., but also had a couple of uh, heavy metal shows, which musically, oh, that's where my real passion is. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so that would be my er- my earliest, uh, I guess, broadcast and, and radio experiences, learning about the spectrum, stuff like that. And put that away for many, many years. So getting into uh, ham radio, 
I've only been uh, been licensed a year here, or oh. just over a year wow. at this point. So still a baby. I didn't even realize that. I thought you'd been around for a bit with all the no, videos tw- that I've seen. <laughs> August August 2020, I got my license, and oh wow, kind of the catalyst for that. Um, you know, I'd been kind of looking at various prepper prepper stuff and. Being a geologist, I have my earthquake emergency kit, but I was kind of taking another look at at my earthquake preparedness kit and what else could I add to it? And something that popped up on my radar was a radio and at least uh, something that could get like the emergency broadcast, the weather bands, I thought would be really useful to have that in the backcountry because I'm always going on big hikes and stuff. Just being able to get the weather, I thought, would be a really useful tool. And then I volunteered for a search and rescue um, in the mountains east of Mount Hood. And that was really the catalyzing experience to get licensed because we had about 20 people searching uh, using FRS radios. And Mm -hmm. I had just gotten my Baofeng. And so I was able to bring that along Mm -hmm. to listen listen in and have that side of the communication. And I ended up finding the body on that. Uh, Oh, wow. So uh, I did have to call that in, but uh, that, that experience uh, of coordinating the whole group of people over a couple mile area. um, After that, I was like, yeah, I'm going to get licensed so I can actually transmit on this dang thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So studied up and and got got my technician's license. And I mean, the awesome thing about ham radio is there's thousands of different ways to take the hobby, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> there's doing your own builds. There's HF. There's repeaters. There's digital. Yeah. And I was kind of starting to explore explore that. I had checked into a few repeaters uh, locally here. But nothing had really grabbed me about the, about the hobby, and to be perfectly honest, I, I was ready to just put the Baofeng in my emergency kit and kind of call it a day. That that would be it for yeah for radio for me. Just yeah, a tool to have. That, that actually happened to me when I became a tech back in '99. I, I kind of just put it all the way for for many years. Yeah, and yeah i I thought I would just leave it there and it would be a tool to have in my emergency kit and i i so someone else had asked me, you know how did you get into soda? How did you get into summits on the air? So I did this thought exercise of trying to trace it back of how i how I learned about it and to the best the best that I can think of is I was on QRZ.com and I saw a link to Charlie NJ7V, mm-hmm. one of his videos, mm-hmm. Some, something with an irreverent title, like I rack up soda points while you're sleeping or something like that. <laughs> okay. And I go, you know, something about the video, Who maybe it was the title card, maybe it was that ridiculous title, but I clicked it. Watched it, watched him hiking up to a mountain in Arizona and making radio contacts. And that's all it took. Yeah. Suddenly that that whole world was open because I'm already going out into the mountains and out into the backcountry. And now I can take my radio along and do something while I'm up there on the mountain. Yeah. 
And, and that was it for me. That's how I got into soda. And it was just, uh, yeah, it, it just spiraled from there. Slippery, slippery slope uphill. Let's, wow. let's say that. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. It, it was just so much fun. And, and as a technician, you know, with a five watt bow fang, really the only way to make contacts was on these nets with repeaters. And so with summits on the air, you know, you're posting an alert on the Soda Watch website of where you're going to be, what frequency you're going to be on. And then you get up there and there's, and you put a spot out and then people are getting in line to talk to you. So it was a great way to just make QSOs and really dive into to the radio without much, without much effort, I guess, you know, all you had to do is hike to a high point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at your QRZ page right now and you are an extra, you're an amateur extra. And you, yeah. you say you've been around for a year. So you really, you really went for it. Well, not, not at first. Mm-hmm. Um, many months I did as, as my technic, just with just the technician license. And after I kind of knocked out the local Portland Metro summits, because there's quite a few that you can get into the Portland Metro area. With, and I started discovering as you go farther out, VHF gets more challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if there aren't other activators out on other summits. So that's when I started looking at HF. And I think I must have studied over winter and, and gotten my general license, which I found, uh, you know, when I took the technician, I didn't know you could take both at once. Mm, <laughs> or, <okay. laughs> I mean, you could, you could go all the way to extra if you wanted, but yeah, I yeah. found the general test to be very similar to the technician test. So I, I kind of wish I had known that because I would have knocked both, both of them out in the same go first time around. Um, so I had the general for a while, got a, a little five watt SSB radio and started getting on HF and found uh, that to be, uh, found SSB to be pretty challenging at five watts. Let's say that. If you got to get your antenna just right, and if the band conditions aren't, aren't just perfect, you could be calling CQ for an hour and get one QSO sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So I started wanting to, to look at CW and, and learning that. So I did a CW Academy there mm-hmm. and kind of devoted the study time to, to picking up the very basics of, of Morse code. And after I got that on, under my belt and wrapped up that, that learning session, I was like, okay, my next study session is going to be to get the extra, just to have it. Yeah. And I, and I think there's, you know, I haven't even used the, the extra portions of those bands, but it, mm-hmm. it just seemed like before I continue farther down devoting time to Morse code, I wanted to get that yeah. bulk of studying done and then study Morse code after that. So I guess kind of batching up my study, my study time. Yeah. And it, so all of this really was driven by soda. So yeah. you, you were like, I, I, I can understand this. A lot of people are perfectly happy to stay at tech because everything that they do has to do like, even now I'm going full circle and finding fascination with things like Vara FM and packet mm-hmm. 
and I realize that I don't need all these band privileges to just deep dive into that and, and just go full into digital radio over VHF and UHF. And I mean, that's, that's the amazing thing about this hobby is if you're, if you're going in one direction and getting bored by it, there's something else that that's going to pop up on your radar and whether it's these digital modes or packets or satellites. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a new direction you it's, can push really the hobby is. in. It's needs based. I think the, what I will study in ham radio really depends on, it's like, okay, what do I need to go this path? And then yeah. all the things will line up that I need to study or understand, or, or, you know, in, in certain cases get licensed for just to, to be able to understand and, and fully practice what I'm trying to do. Right. And my kind of philosophy about the, the exams is, you know, I'm sure there's people who kind of are curmudgeons and like, ah, oh, these people just memorize the questions and pass the exam and then forget them. And, and they don't like that. But hey, that's what I did. And if, if anything, studying up for, for the exams, it just shows you all the different ways that you can take this hobby. Yeah. And so if there's, you know, I, know, I knew nothing about satellites and now I know a little bit about satellites and I didn't even know that was a thing in radio until I started studying for, mm-hmm. for the yeah. exams. Yeah. And so it just shows you the possibilities you could take it in. And I think there's value to that. Yeah. I've heard uh, a ham say, get licensed, and then you start learning. Yeah. There you go. Right. I love that. Yeah. And that's kind of the opposite of a lot of people's thinking. So that that might be uh, irritating to some who went through the hard knocks and learned things Mm -hmm. piece by piece and then took the exams and then, you know, kind of use the exams as a, a hallmark of what they've learned. And for now, uh, nowadays it's, it's quite the opposite. It's you, you want to do something, but you don't quite know how yet. And you're limited by your license. So you get licensed. So you're, you're authorized to use that part of the band. And then mm-hmm. you discover from there and you, you figure out, okay, so this is what everyone's talking about. Now I now I know, right? And that's all yeah. after the licensing point. Yeah, I had someone point out to me after I got my general, because I got the general to get into the HF bands. Like that was the motivation uh, to open open those up. And someone pointed out, oh, you could do HF with your technician. You just got to learn CW. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, sure, that's fine, but... You know, why Why be negative towards people who are looking to expand their privileges and learn more about the hobby? Like, yeah, yeah. There's value to studying up and getting licensed. So you, um, like I've mentioned, you have this pretty active YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, what got you into Try YouTubing? <laughs> <laughs> what got you into YouTubing? Yeah, so we were in the... Uh, the grips of the first lockdown in 2020 and I had been doing a lot of solo bike rides all around the Portland metro area and kind of doing mixed pavement and and gravel riding and I thought I was going to start a cycling channel like a cycling adventure YouTube channel (laughs) and so I got a GoPro got a couple mounts and started filming my rides like these 60 90 100 mile bike rides 
And I edit, edited together a few videos and I never posted them. Mm-hmm. They were missing something. I, they just weren't fun to watch. And this is going to kind of get into my editing philosophy. If I, if I don't want to watch the video that I'm posting, I feel like other people are not going to want to watch it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my my check mark at the end of the day when I'm editing a video is that yeah. I have to enjoy rewatching it when me, I'm the star of the show. <laughs> and, it, and if it's not yeah. interesting to me watching myself, you know, no one's going to get any value from it. I yeah. feel, you know, Josh, so, KI six and AZ, yeah. he also said that too. I mean, I asked him if he ever gets writer's block and he said, not really. He always has a backlog, but he mm-hmm. also, he, his filter right now is if it's, if he's in it, if he's feeling the video, and he, yeah. he has several things that he's worked on, and he just puts it back on the shelf because it's, he's just not feeling it at the at the yeah. time. And so it's very much like that. And I guess that's I mean that's a that's a great filter because yeah, you, you need to be. <laughs> Sometimes I, I felt really excited about certain podcast episodes and. Other times I'm like, you know, especially the solo ones where I'm just rambling. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like, eh, I don't know. And, and I'll push through and, and, and post them and then I'll get a lot of great feedback. And I'll be like, oh, actually people want to hear them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have a huge backlog so I can uh, <laughs> commiserate with Josh there. There's always something to work on, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, sometimes you just need to put something back on the shelf for a little bit and and then pick it up again with fresh eyes or fresh ears in your case and yeah (laughs) and work through it and yeah and you know some people uh just sort of they they film and they don't do a lot of editing or cutting and they put it up and that works for them and and they find an audience that likes that and and that you know more power to them i I don't want to be negative towards anyone's style of of videos people Mm -hmm. find what works for them but what i really like is kind of more punchy videos and so i'll i'll watch through my whole video in in kind of a final pass and i'll cut out anything that just doesn't really forward the story of the video and this kind of goes back to here i thought i was going to start a cycling channel (laughs) (laughs) and the videos i edited something was missing from them and i didn't know what it was so i I never i never posted those videos and then, you know, put that on the shelf. I discovered ham radio, started doing that. And then I discovered soda and this whole world of mountaintop portable operating opened up to me. And there's a, there's a mountain, uh, a soda summit. That's a, a good bike ride from my house here, Bald Peak, uh, summit code whiskey seven Oscar. Uh, I think it's November Charlie zero five one. I'll have to look that up. Someone will correct me in the comments, maybe. But uh, I was like, oh, that's a that's a good bike ride. It's got a decent elevation gain. It'll be, be a nice, fun ride to get up, up there. And I can take my radio along. Mm-hmm. And at that point, um, I had tried Summits on the Air once before, and I'd failed. I had failed because I had taken my Baofeng. Oh, okay. Baofangs are fine. I think they're great starter radios, but for summits on the air, there's a lot of peaks with radio towers on them. And the RF from those radio towers will just 
drown out the bow. Yeah. Just and flood so, it. Yeah. Yeah. Flood it. And, uh, people down in, in the Portland Metro could hear me call in CQ, uh, but I couldn't hear them. So at that point I'd gotten off, a like Craigslist or eBay or something, an old ICOM O2 AT, you know, those ancient two meter radios, but they're really good for summits on the air mm, other than okay. the fact that they're heavy. Mm-hmm. So I picked up one of those and I picked up an MFJ long ranger mm, okay. and threw it in my bike bag and biked up to, to bald peak. And it was a fun ride. And I filmed the, the ride up and then got up there and there's a lot of other soda activators out that day. It was a beautiful October day and I made a ton of contacts and I filmed it and I, I just had a blast. And I got, uh, well, here's, here's a good way to get for your first, for my first successful summit, I had a 200 mile VHF summit to summit. Oh, USL wow. Oh, wow. With That's Whiskey J seven, uh, Whiskey J. And, uh, he was down at the other end of Willamette Valley, way far away. I think he was using a Yagi, but with my MFJ Long Ranger, I got a 200 mile QSO. Talk about a way to get hooked on summits yeah. on the air. <laughs> That's amazing. First outing. 200 yeah. miles. Wow. And, you know, I had something like 13 QSOs, and, and that was it for me. I was hooked. Yeah. It was, it was a blast. I wanted to and, play one of the was, clips of, of one of uh, the, the memorable one that I had. Yeah. Uh, mentioned earlier it's called mount adams volcanoes on the air soda and uh, here let me play it all right good afternoon tim n7 kom here and we are at the trailhead to the south side route of mount adams it's hot and dusty it is four in the afternoon and i'm planning on getting started around one or two a.m so right now we're gonna do a little final packing check and then uh, we will just rest. Just sit around, try to sleep if I can. <laughs> stay hydrated, stay out of the sun, put sunscreen on, all that stuff until it's one in the morning and I'm ready to go up the mountain. The mountain is over there. Check it out behind those trees. Elevation wise, we are at uh, about 5,500 feet right now. Mount Adams is- So yeah, I, l- I really like your- uh... so, your intros and, and the way that you cut together your your videos and the beginning sound of that was you basically glissading down or glissading mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce it but um, down the side of the mountain and here you are talking about going going up at one in the morning so I'm guessing that that was in the late morning when you were sliding back down yeah yeah. Um, I guess that, that does kind of sum up the, uh, the bigger videos on, on my channel. You know, I do, I do a lot of regular summer summits on the air where they're just regular hikes, but, uh, I would say my channel's really known for these, uh, volcanoes on the air. I like to call them, uh, going up to the Pacific Northwest volcanoes. You know, that was the video from Mount Adams, Mount Hood I've done and, and, uh, Mount St. Helens as well. And, what really hooked me on mountaineering to begin with is these night hikes. So you're starting at 11 p.m. Yeah, wow. 12 a.m., 1 a.m., and hiking all night and catching the sunrise from you know 9,000, 10,000, 11,000, 12,000 feet. And there's really nothing like that. That ex- like I live for that experience. Like 
I, I feel like once you do that, um, it'll really motivate you to to do more of the, of the all night hiking as boring and grueling as it is. Mm-hmm. It's mentally exhausting because you're spending hours just in a bubble of the light of your headlamp yeah, with darkness yeah. all around you. And it's really just kind of one foot in front of the other walking up. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. I mean, I, I took a beginner's mountaineering course and the, you know, we'd been training throughout the day couple days mm-hmm. before that we would practice uh arresting on a glacier and and different uh climbing techniques and using crampons and all that yeah when it came around to the actual climb we were shocked because i think they don't tell us this right away because we would have a lot of drop off of some of the participants <laughs> but they said okay uh we are meeting at the trailhead at 2 a.m and we will start, and we should reach the base of the mountain by maybe three or four in the morning. I was yeah. like, "What?" And you know, I was thinking I would have a good night's rest, and then sunrise we we'd do something, you know. And and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it it's it's pretty scary when you're used to doing everything in the sunlight, and then all you got is jagged rocks that you're trying to cross, and your headlamp. And that's all you can see is like what's directly in front of you. Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a new experience, um, especially being up that high. I mean, I had done night hiking before, um, just in general hikes. I grew up in San Luis Obispo, and we would hike up Bishop's Peak, our local mountain there, um, at night. Me and my friends, and you know, find our way down with, with headlamps and such, but. Uh, being up at several thousand elevation feet and just being in that bubble it's mental mentally it's something else i remember the very first time i did mount st helens um we were snowshoeing up it was probably i guess it it must have been march because we didn't have permits and permit season starts april 1st and i remember looking behind me down the mountain and you can kind of see the silhouette of the mountain and something down into the valley and there's this glowing red thing and we couldn't figure out what the heck it was. <laughs> and then finally, when we were, when we were at our breakfast stop and, and eating, you know, I say breakfast, it was probably like three in the morning and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we we're chowing down on some frozen bars and we're, everyone's staring at this glowing red thing down in the valley below us. And we finally realized that was the moon rising. Oh, and yeah, it, to be above the moonrise <laughs> and watch this glowing red orb come up, it was oh, just wow. wild. And, and you know, you wouldn't get that experience if you were hiking uh, during the day. And there, there's something to be said for, for getting started during, during the day. A lot of backcountry skiers do it because the snow ends up being a little bit better sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when it warms up just a little bit, but, uh, it gets hot up on these mountains too. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's fully exposed. You're out in the sun, there's no shade. And I like to get up when it's, when it's cool and, and get down when it's not hot. So yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> doing that uh, overnight is, is a good way to do it. Yeah. So what do you have planned for your channel? Well, it's raining here. We're in fall. 
and we're looking down the barrel of winter. So hoping for a good snow, snow season. And I love doing summits on the air activations on skis. It's just super fun to to ski up a mountain and, and do some ham radio and then ski down. So really looking forward to doing that, that again. Uh, but also, you know, just because we are getting weather, uh, I'll be doing some winter projects coming up. Uh, Adam K6ARK sent me one of his kits uh, for the NFED half wave, oh, yeah. uh, which I think you did one of those recently. Yeah, here it I is right saw, here. I'm holding it up. Yeah. I just Boom. completed it and I got it and everything. throw a wire on there, cut, cut myself, what is it, 32 feet for 20 meters of wire and then splice it on there and give it a test it's been rainy here so yeah right now i haven't been able to test it but uh, yeah i'm the yeah. i'm the same way i can't really test at home i sort of can um but ideally i have to take my vna up to uh up to my local soda summit cooper mountain and then set up my antenna proper and uh test there yeah yeah. So along those lines, uh, tell tell us a little bit about your your field gear. Uh, I couldn't really yeah. piece it out from your thumbnails there, but it looks like you might have a MTR three B or something like that. Four B. Yeah. Four B. I, I was able to get a four B. Um, when did I get that? Must have been uh, after I learned CW. But I wanted to force myself to really use the Morse code. So I got a Morse code only rig mm-hmm. and I've been yeah. loving the, the four B it's yeah. The, the MTRs are just awesome. You know, I love that. I just real quick comment about that. I love um, doing that where when you want to do something, you really just, I think this is from Steve jobs. You just remove all the distractions, <laughs> right? And you just yeah. like in terms of gear, I like one purpose gear. So that mm-hmm. like, if you want to get better at CW, you bring something that's, that can only transmit. So you're not tempted to like hop on other modes and S- SSB or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I have not taken my main SSB rig out and I'm actually selling it right now. What is your, what, what is the main SSB rig? Well, it was a, uh, also an LNR, um, FX4A. It was one of their discontinued rigs. I got it used off mm. uh, QRZ. I, I've not heard of it, but yeah, yeah, it's it's one of their discontinued SSB CW rigs, and um, yeah, used it for a bit. Made bunch of SSB contacts on it, but I really wanted to force myself to to do the CW. So I was leaving that one at home and taking the MTR, and you know, my whole kit weighs hardly anything. And and I really like the appeal of that for QRP. I think I think a lot of people who do yeah, QRP yeah. like that appeal. Just it's it's smaller rigs, it's lighter weight, which uh, the lightweight is negated by all the other junk that I'm bringing. You know, whether yeah. it's skis strapped <laughs> to my back, or I'm often hiking with my dog, and I always have extra water for yeah. him. And you know, so I still have a heavy pack. But I was about to say uh, that. I mean, uh, K6ARK likes to pare it down, but then there's still water. And there's no way to lighten that load. And then yeah, you know, no, all the, the water is always the heaviest thing. Yeah, and I always bring too much food, and you know, I, 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 I just found call all, all the all that stuff is training weight, right? Yeah, you yeah. Know? But I found <laughs> what in am my I training for? Who knows? But that I every hike that I've gone on, I've not ever brought too much food. 
I would think that it's yeah. too much food, but then I end up like <laughs> underestimating my energy expenditure doing that mm-hmm. activity. <laughs> then I'll be like, wow, I'm glad I overpacked the food because it's just right. <laughs> yeah. One, one thing I've tried to get better at um, is hiking nutrition and, and my intake of calories. And this kind of came out from taking my YL on some of these overnight uh, long, long distance hikes. And she was crashing in, in terms of calories and, um, and energy. So we kind of reevaluated our, our nutrition plan for these really long hikes. And what I've settled on is even if I'm not hungry, forcing myself to eat at least every hour, mm-hmm. whether it's half a bar or just, just getting some sort of calories in, and then also making sure to do some sort of drink, like sport drink mix, you know, whether it's a Gatorade powder or scratch labs, none, something like that. And yeah. And yeah, never doing just pure water, always doing with a mix. And I found that that hour cadence for food, I can move a lot faster and just yeah. I'm a lot more yeah. happier person in general. <laughs> yeah. <There's laughs> it improves mood, my mood, mood aspect to that. <laughs> I, I remember yeah. in a, in another life when I used to run, um, I was I was all on pure water a lot of uh, for most of the mm-hmm. beginning, and then I switched yeah. over to, uh, you know, just electrolytes, simple, very simple, not not sweet or anything type, uh, sports drinks, and I was like, wow, I can actually run longer and I feel good throughout, mm-hmm. and there's something to this, right? Then yeah. Of, then of course I go on the deep dive and try all kinds of sport drinks and I realize some are horrible and others are like just sugar water and, you know, finally yeah. settled upon certain, certain mixes. I can't remember them now, but, uh, certain powders and stuff that would really help me keep that endurance. But yeah, there's a big mood difference. I noticed too. It's like, Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I actually enjoy running right now. <laughs> yeah. And I, I find I, take less, uh, less breaks with that as well. Um, I mean, doing, doing short breaks to catch your breath and chew, but just, uh, you can kind of keep the momentum moving, which I find is really helpful for, for doing stuff in the back country. And especially when things are kind of on a time limit and you're trying to make the, the alert time that you spotted for, or that you put up on soda watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm always, I feel like I'm always late. So any, yeah. anything that makes me move faster. So, um, what is your home shack? Like, do you operate from home a lot or at uh, all? <laughs> so I want to give you this really, uh, kind of idealistic arg. I don't have a home shack. Um, the mountains are my shack. Everything's yeah. portable yeah. only <laughs> mountaintop portable only. But up until last week, um, I finally put up a little end fed halfway wire sticking out the bedroom window here behind me down to a tree in our yard. Now we have an HOA, so the rules are pretty strict. You can't mount anything to the siding. So I've just got a little poly stealth wire going out, going out the window. It's attached to the QRP kits, soda tuner. Mm-hmm. And I recently acquired a KX2. So I'm starting oh, to play there with we that. go. Wow. And still learning, still learning how to use it. I've taken it on a couple activations now, but I I, I want to say my MTR is my main rate still. 
So wow, a home shack. I don't really want to call it a shack. Yeah, something's I, coming together. Something. I've done one. I've done one chase on CW thirty meters, um, which is more uh, a testament to the tuner of the KX two because the wire is cut for twenty meters and. <laughs> Mm -hmm, <laughs> was able mm -hmm. to tune up on 30 and, and chase a soda just, just force that activate. 30 through it <laughs> yeah i guess i don't know i don't know the magic there but uh you know i don't i don't really want to say i have a, uh, a shack up yet i don't think it'll be a permanent setup um, yeah we'll see what the hoa says if they get angry <laughs> but i think because it's it's not attached to anything it's just going out the window down to a tree so I can probably argue a reasonable temporary. accommodation. Yeah, you're just saying yeah. it's a, just a temporary test. This is not. Yeah, this is not a part of my house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm trying to do a little bit of soda chasing from home. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And uh, you know, it's a rainy day. Maybe I'll try to hook this thing up for digital modes and and see what digital's like. Yeah. Well. I was on digital last night and I was lucky enough to have a QSO in a uh, not often seen mode. It's PSK 63. And that was, that was fantastic. But yeah, I, I warn people try, that are interested by digital in concept that it's mostly FT8 and JS8 call. And you know, you're lucky to like find the other talking stuff to computers. Yeah, pretty much. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, um, you know, that's, that's kind of how it's become because that's where you're getting all the contacts and it's really fast and easy. But, uh, I still maintain every time I turn on my radio, I give it a try in CW, I'll call out and then I'll try a little bit of FT eight and get quickly bored of that. And then I'll switch over to some of those modes. I'll, I'll shoot out some ready, some PSK 31 and in this case, I was on the band and calling CQ on PSK 31. And then I see this like wide thing on the waterfall. I'm like, okay, that looks like PSK, but it's not what I'm doing. Let me try some of these other modes. And I just like cycle through them. And then finally it matched up on 63 and I was, mm -hmm. uh, I picked him up perfectly. It was like, he was right next door and we had a nice long rag chew, but those are rare. Those happen to me like once mm -hmm. a quarter or once every half year. Not, not that often. Got it. Yeah. You know, for me, it's just uh, another thing to learn about and, uh, and, and to check out. I have a video in the queue with uh, Tyler ND7Y joined me for a joint first activation up in uh, Gifford Pinchot uh, National Forest. And he's a, he's a digital guy. Mm -hmm. And so we, while we were hiking uphill, I, sorry, Tyler, made you do a, a gear rundown while we we're going uphill. Uh, and he's got like 20 <laughs> pounds of, of radio gear from laptops and batteries and, yeah, yeah. and all, and a G90, I think, I think was his rig. And, you know, I got my MTR somewhere in my backpack. That's, there, there's something to that. And I, I actually complained to Josh when I talked with him about that, you know, what's up with the the 15 cases and cables that you need to bring uh if you're thinking of making a go bag for digital right <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like all this stuff it's it has to be packaged better but yeah i get it and i i think i'm starting on the path of trying to simplify that and that's why mm -hmm. uh, that's my latest interest is how how can i have a pretty lightweight and simple way to get on digital ham radio and there are some people who think that digital is, is pure heresy. That it's not real <laughs> ham radio, right? They, 
they say that sure. a computer talking through a radio is not ham radio, you know? And yeah, I, 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 I have to acknowledge that because I've, I've seen it and I've heard it. So, um, you know, to each his own. Yeah, for me, it's whatever, what, yeah, whatever someone's interested in, whatever they really want to nerd out on more power to and more yeah. people using radio, the better, you know, <laughs> the more I get into like actual MCOM organizations, and the more that I mm. drill with these organizations, I realize that there is a very big need and place for digital communications in ham radio. Like if you're transferring yeah. files, if you need to send a PDF to like a, an incident command center or something, you're, I'm hard pressed to think of any other real practical off grid ways to do it. Right. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, some of the manuals I've read is like use available stuff, but what if that like what if a fax isn't ready or available? What if uh, then then you're basically like messenger or carrier pigeon? Yeah, like if, if options, I needed you know? to um, send a list of gear gear needs to a supply uh, tent that's uh, a couple miles away, I'm not going to be reading that over the radio, right? Right, vocally. And then asking them to confirm, so they have to read the list back. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> completely impractical. So yeah, there's there are a lot of challenges in MCOM, and it's I think it's a good exercise to to just practice in all the forms and and even stuff like file transfers and how to get it as fast as possible while maintaining you know the independent nature of it, so that it's not reliant on existing infrastructure to be working. Right. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people do MCOM. How do you get interested in that? That's kind of some a direction that's been at my periphery that yeah. I would kind of like to get into, but not really. For sure me, it was um, so I, I was a I became a ham in '99 and pretty much just kerchunked repeaters for most of that until mm-hmm. like maybe the uh, I'd say 2016. So what 17 years of just thinking that was it, and I had known about. HF, I had known about, you know, there's other things like packet, but I never really knew how to get into it. But then, um, and this is on my website too, it's kind of like my ham story. Uh, my uncle, he works in the British Virgin Islands. He was caught in Hurricane Harvey in 2017 and kind of mm-hmm. disappeared for a few weeks. And we thought, okay, is this, is he alive? I mean, what's going on? There was no communications out of there. Yeah. No, no news. All we knew that, you know, power was out and that he hadn't checked in. We couldn't reach him and, you know, cell phone and all that didn't work. So, you know, I, we did eventually find him rescue workers and, and, uh, first responders were able to verify that, yeah, he's fine. He had holed up with his boss at their house and they were just kind of, you know, hunkering down there until they were found. And, you know, that was a, that to me, I was like, man, there's got to be a better way to talk to people in that kind of situation. And so that's what mm-hmm. kind of kicked me off on what is emergency communications? How does yeah. HF factor into that? What are some of the things that I can do to prepare for if everything goes down, internet, cell, you know, power? Uh, how am I going to get the word out to people? Mm-hmm. And so... From there, that was 2017, mid 2017. I just yep. it just took off from there, and then, of course, MCOM can't be your life. You can't just always be 
like preparing <laughs> for the emergencies. It, it gets boring and right. very tedious very quickly. All you're doing Only is message so many traffic, you, you can know? make. Yeah. <laughs> traffic handling uh, exercises. I mean, that stuff's dry and boring, but um, it's good to practice it. And uh, I keep coming back to it. But uh, even from 2017, I took off on different directions, found all the fun, like a soda and and all the digital stuff that exists and, you know, just all blew up. But then I keep coming back. I keep coming back to MCOM and like, okay, mm-hmm. I, I went on a recent event for a volunteer group that I was with and uh, their their communications with each other were kind of jumbled and it, it was confused and, and it was like a centralized distribution of radios and I'm like, there's better ways to do this. There's, and um, the, the event was an air show. So of course you have also like uh, this extreme noise from afterburners passing overhead <laughs> and the event PA systems going nuts and the guys, you know, talking really loud to a huge crowd so how are you working in that kind of setup where you can't even hear mm-hmm. the radio that's right next to your ear, right? And sure. So, I mean, there were other means there that I noticed other groups had, like uh, uh, there's a group that is associated with the sheriff's department that had a, a chat system going on over D-Star D-Rats. So it's kind of like, mm-hmm. looks like one of those AOL IM boxes right, yeah. but it's just school, a yeah, bunch of people talking on there through keyboard and i was like well that's brilliant because in a high noise environment you need to read things you can't rely on right. on hearing people calling for you and uh i was thinking okay in future events like this how could i help with some of these uh different scenarios because sometimes you just can't rely on being able to copy people through the traditional radio means. And so a lot of thought experiment there. And I'm trying to think of ways to propose to this group. It's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, obviously with <laughs> that's such a high noise, it's like, oh yeah, there are other ways to do things. Yeah. Explore. I'm, I'm certainly interested in uh, looking at radios from a mountain rescue perspective. I know there's a group up here in the Pacific Northwest that does Mm-hmm. MCOM just for search and rescue operations sort of thing. I think they have like an ambulance, an old ambulance that's outfitted with just all sorts of antennas and, and so such. it's kind of like a mobile center. mobile repeater yeah. type setup. That's cool. I think so. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't really looked at it. Too so much in terms of that, I know that uh, K6ARK Adam he's gone through extensive training and also w- yeah. W6RIP. Uh, Kevin, who uh, recently joined a, a SAR group over in, in uh, Southern California. Mm-hmm. So are you also I've going through that? i of those guys, yeah. Are you also taking like all the, the mountain rescue training and the, the medical training and all that kind of stuff? No, uh, I did put in an application for Portland Mountain Rescue, but uh, did not get picked to, to interview for that. Mm, okay. Um, so I, I think it's a very coveted position with them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I've understood that to be very um, intense training. It's like it's it takes several weeks, if not months, to to get all the certifications you need to be like. Oh yeah, I forget the term, but it's like 
where they can trust you to be deployed by yourself. <laughs> that kind of sure. thing. <laughs> yeah, a lot of training. And I think up here in the Pacific Northwest, there's just so many people that do these mountaineering and, and climbing uh, activities that the the applicant pool is highly qualified. Oh yeah. Um, I could imagine. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, switching gears, what are some of the projects you're currently working on? I mean, do you have any uh, builds or antennas or like uh, backup power that you're, you're trying to build? So uh, in terms of t- antennas, you can never have enough. It seems. <laughs> um so yeah, the wire I got going out the window behind me, it was kind of just a leftover from a different project. But my main antenna right now is an NFED half wave trapped at 20, 30, and 40. And it's been awesome for using with the MTR. But now that I got this uh, KX2 here with the antenna tuner on it, I want to do a random wire. So we mentioned the K6ARK build. Yeah. So I'll be doing a random wire using his kit. Nice uh, with that, and then he also sent me a pixie, so that'll be another oh, okay. winter project. Wow! And you know, I got yeah, yeah, I got a little Altoids tins, but I'm trying to think of some other fun enclosure to put it in. We're uh, we're Something kind of on a, a parallel path here. We're we're doing kind oh, yeah? of the same thing because <laughs> I I ordered a pixie. I wanted to try that. They're actually I was talking with with Adam and Jeff AA six XA. And uh, they're like, yeah, Pixie's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should check out the QCX Mini. They said it's, it's yeah. a really fun little transmitter. And it's kind of like almost having an MTR, but you build it yourself. And so I ordered one of those a, as one well. One band, right? Yeah, it's one band. But, you yeah. know, that's the next question I had for them. I'm like, well, if you could pick one oh, band, what? One? And they, they said that if they could only have one band, they would pick 40. So yeah. I, I ordered a crystal for 40. Uh, but yeah, I look forward to building that. Um, I, I Adam actually gave me one of his NFED randomware early prototypes when he was developing that, that whole thing. So um, nice. I have that, but I have my main rig is a 705, an ICOM okay. IC705. So it, and I don't want to get the tuner for it. So mm. I've been focusing on NFED half wave antennas. And so I have this one build that I showed you with the with the yeah. forty nine to one on it, and then I have a cam for ACK uh, NFED half wave that I need to build, and I I want to put some traps on that so it could be twenty forty, and then mm-hmm. I have another one by QRP guys, I think it is the 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 tiny it's a little yeah. tiny box that holds the toroid and everything, and I'll build that one okay. out. But I think a lot of resonant antennas are in my future. Just yeah, <laughs> I can't have enough of those. <laughs> yeah, my traps are, are the QRP guys, and they're they're great. Um, I, I love using that with the MTR because I don't have to get up and and change any links or anything. I just flip the switches on the radio, and yep. boom, ready to go. Yeah. What what bands are on and, the four B? Uh, 20, 30, 40, 80. and I haven't used okay. eighty yet. Yeah, um, just twenty, thirty, and forty. I can't imagine eighty on a soda you'd have a lot of wire for that <laughs> i i've seen videos of guys who do it and yeah i mean it looks like the the wire's just horizontal and just you know you're kind of meandering through the trees or something yeah yeah but it's a that is a band i have yet to explore with that um but yeah i think you're right getting the uh 40 meter for your uh qcx mini 
I, I really like the 40 meter band because it's a little more local, I guess. And maybe this is being a new CW op and, and I still feel like I'm learning and getting my ICR, but it kind of helps when I can recognize the call signs. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I'm making the same QSOs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I know, I know that person. <laughs> yeah. When I turn on 20, it feels like I'm getting just crazy call signs and it's taken me a lot. of. I have to send back a lot of question marks to, to get them. <laughs> yeah. So you've built a few antennas. Uh, do you feel like uh, you're pretty comfortable with, especially with K6ARK's kit, you know, working with yeah. small soldering? Yeah, my uh, my NFED halfwave. Um, I used uh, the my own parts that I had on hand, but it's certainly inspired by his design and and the tutorial video he has mm -hmm. uh, up on his channel. And you know, it doesn't have his his new little board, which is which is really, oh, really okay. fun. To, I'm looking forward to using that. Yeah. But in, so you know, it's like I'm just shutting the capacitor and and kind of doing my best to balance the <laughs> the toroid on the end of the connector yeah and and i'm i'm used for the nfed half wave i have it's it's the opposite uh gender connector from how he built his because i just used what i had on hand so i do have to use a, a connector uh, with mine so it sticks out a little bit farther from the radio but still yeah. pretty lightweight <laughs> yeah which of course is the is the appeal adam's video on that is is uh, I, I don't know how he does it he's moving things around with tweezers and he's using a dremel right up next to his fingers and <laughs> it's like i always i always remark that when i when i think of that video is that that guy really has some good precision skills in terms of building yeah so I who think, are uh, your ham radio elmers and ham heroes oh great question and at the risk of leaving someone out, I'm probably going to list off a few different people, but here we go. Um, let's just uh, kick it off. Uh, K7 ATN and K7 FOP are, have been really amazing for the Summits on the Air community up here in the Pacific Northwest and uh, getting me kind of started in, in Summits on the Air. Um, yeah, K7... K7ATN, donating his time, answering questions by email when I was just getting started. Mm -hmm. Really fantastic. And and the the community the two of them have built here is really fantastic. Um, Bill K7WXW was helping me out a lot when, when I was first getting started as well. And got to mention him. And there's a whole slew, slew of people here um, in, in Portland that... You know, I don't, I don't want to leave anyone out, but Anne K7 AHR and uh, let's see, uh, NR7Y out here in Beaverton as well. And I mentioned Tyler ND7Y, there's a, and there's a bunch of other people that try to get out almost every weekend. So it's just great to have a really good community that's going out to different summits. So it makes it really easy to get completes, soda completes, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and also rack up those summit to summit points, you know? <laughs> It's a yeah, lot of fun and for, to, for my listeners. A complete is when you both chase a peak and activate a peak in summits on the air. So that means you've climbed the mm -hmm. peak and you are the activator or you've uh, chased the person who is on that peak. And uh, I don't have any completes myself, but I've, I've not done that many summits on the air activations. 
Well, you, I'm sure you you got a list. Do you do a lot of chasing? Yeah, I, I get on. I have my ham alert set up, so whenever people oh, nice. I recognize are are on the air, I will try to turn on the radio and try to reach them. Nice. Well, on the Soda Atlas website, there's a nice filter for completes for me, so you can get that map of all the summits that that oh, nice. that you need to go to. <laughs> something to target but yeah so in terms of these hams um how do you coordinate with them is are you part of a club or was it like an online Uh, uh, forum or something that where you realize that they're close by and and you'd go yeah so the uh well there we have a pnwsoda.org website where everyone is well not everyone but it's a very active with posting trip reports Oh, okay. Which is extremely helpful for planning out, um, especially for some of these remote summits. If you can get any idea of what an area looks like, very helpful in the planning stages of going out. And I mean, we're so active in that here that other non-ham hiking and mountaineering sites have started to link to the summits on the air trip reports. Mm, Okay. We've just been producing so many of them. So that that's one way, but uh, I am a part of the uh, North America Soda Slack channel. Yes. So and within that we have, yeah, within that we have a PDX Portland uh, sub channel. So Mm -hmm. so us local guys will kind of use that to hey, is anyone planning on going out? Who's going to be out? And yeah, kind of and that'll kind of help plan for these summit to summit activities well it's like oh okay i know that ann is going to be out at uh 8 a.m or whatever so i gotta mm-hmm. move up my timeline so i can get a, a summit to summit with her a lot of coordination there yeah yeah and it's a great community you know everyone's very positive and wants to help out and if anything for my contributions and making these videos i just want to inspire someone to get out and um, and here on, on your podcast, just say, if anyone wants to reach out to me, send, send an email. I'm happy to help you get started. Summits on the air, or if you have any questions about QRP and gear, yeah. or making videos, whatever. Kind of like how Charlie uh, kind of kicked you off with his yeah, that exactly. one video. And you're like, okay, I want to try this. If you no, are curious it about it, if you are at all thinking, oh, yeah, I have a few mountains around my area or hills or, you know, just whatever. I want to get out there and play radio on my hikes. Yeah. Reach out to Tim here and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he'll answer your questions. Yeah. And my, my hope is also to inspire non hams to, to take a look at the hobby and, and check that out. Yeah, definitely. So I try to link to some of my videos on, on like the, uh, Facebook, PNW hiking pages or Portland hiking pages too, when I can. So yeah, that's the thing about the West coast though, is that we, we are lucky to have so many peaks there's no shortage Mm -hmm. of things out here in the Pacific Northwest and also in California, all the way up and down California. And, um, you know, going as far East as the Colorado, the Rockies and all that, there's, there's plenty of peaks. And I know that, uh, there's a lot of soda, emphasis in youtube ham radio youtube Mm -hmm. and i know that there are folks who are out in the middle of flatlands (laughs) like i'm tired of these soda videos 
but just bear with us. It's a passion for being outdoors and playing radio. So it's not really meant to exclude anyone. It's just that, yeah, it's really fun to ascend a peak. I mean, it's a, it's a real challenge or as Adam says, it doesn't have to be fun to be fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's never fun for me when I ascend a peak. So yeah, it's uh, we have plenty of different things out here that we can, uh, that will challenge us. And, so that's why the emphasis is there but uh yeah and i i try to keep yeah. things pretty lighthearted on on my videos but there are times where i'm just hating myself in the moment <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know it's 3 a.m i'm cold and it's windy and just hiking in the dark and it just sucks yeah but hey for for that matter of you know there's so many summit peaks and it seems like there's a lot of people making making these summits on the air videos but i think in general, portable operating is really awesome for outreach. You know, whether it's summits on the air, whether it's parks on the air, or whether it's just operating outdoors, it's an opportunity for the general public to to come up to you and say hi and ask what you're doing. And most people are just curious and and they it's surprising to love yeah. or they love to hear that it's radio and oh, what are you doing? And you know, some people will say like, Oh, what are you you're going fishing? Because a lot of us have these portable uh, fishing poles that we use as our masts to support our wire antennas. So, you know, you get that comment <laughs> occasionally and it's yeah. all in good fun. And people be like, oh, I got my cell phone. Yeah. You, know, you get those, but you also get people who are genuinely curious at, or even they're out hiking with their kids and their kids are like, oh, wow, you're using morse code and you know it's a it's just a time uh, it's an opportunity to do outreach for the hobby in general and tell them about summits on the air tell them about ham radio yeah yeah and have a positive interaction with the public i try to i try to visualize what it's like for a non-ham coming upon someone who's activating a peak or doing a park or something like that and i'm sure there's apprehension at first it's like okay what, what is this weirdo doing and then you know if you can muster the courage to ask them then you realize oh okay so they're they're practicing using a radio and Mm -hmm. then then you realize wow they're talking to people all over the country or sometimes other parts of the world it it, it is pretty amazing and um, i was just at the pacific on convention and they have these like flyers that they had laid out on the table at the arl booth Mm-hmm. And I, I took a couple of them. I wanted to laminate it because it's just why ham radio? What is ham radio? And what are we doing? That kind of stuff. And I thought it was pretty well presented. I was thinking this would be good to like show someone if they don't quite understand what I'm doing or, you know, yeah. why I'm out there. Why am I, why am I on this park bench with all these wires and, and batteries and things? <laughs> yeah. There, I forget who's, call sign it was but someone made it like some flyers for summits on the air to to hand out yeah and then um, josh has that shirt josh now has like one that on the back of the shirt it's printed out what am i doing or something like that and it, <laughs> and it has like you know these different aspects em- emergency oh, awesome. communications talking to people all over the world that kind of thing and it's it's kind of like even if someone's afraid to come up to you like they're they're apprehensive they think that you're just some some weirdo you know doing weird things with with gear they can read your shirt and they're like oh okay this person's a ham radio operator (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, and actually, you know, I did most of my CW operating with cheap little earbuds because it's lightweight, but I did get a uh, portable little speaker to use ah, sometimes because yeah. yeah. that's really great when someone asks, what are you doing? And, you know, it's hard to share an earbud, and yeah. especially in, in a pandemic <laughs> when you're trying to social distance. Yeah. But if they can hear the dits and dots coming in, you know, that's a great opportunity. Yeah, that's too. true. And, and uh, people, you know, everyone, people are curious. They just, oh, who are you talking to? Where, you know, what? Across the country? And then uh, I've gotten my first DX um, in general, but also on the MTR. So five watts was uh, a New Zealand station. And so I always say like, oh, yeah, I've made it to New Zealand before and yeah. talk to someone there. And, you know, that's on the other side of the world. So yeah. that's kind of the big mind blowing wow that uh yeah <laughs> people love to hear that that's that's a good point though that <laughs> the speaker because i i've walked up on people on uh mtr 3b and it's a very personal and, mm -hmm. and quiet experience for them you don't yeah. know exactly what they're going through because you can't hear anything it doesn't have an output uh speaker so yeah that's that's a good way of doing it too and then, yeah, and there are times when you know I'm trying really hard to copy a quiet station, and and yeah, can't always do do the outreach. But um, when I can, I try to pause whatever I'm doing and and talk to the person <laughs> that that's right that the person that's closest to me, rather than the person across the country, and you know yeah. send a, a little standby. Yeah, and and uh, you know have that outreach moment, and a lot of people will be like, oh, my uncle did. CB radio or something, and they they have some connection to ham radio, yeah. even if it's not ham radio directly. Yeah. Well, Tim, it's been a great time talking with you. It's I, I can't believe it's it. It's been a ton of fun. We're beyond an hour. These things tend to fly, but I I try to shoot for an oh, hour. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Say, plug, or give advice about? Uh, no real plugs. Hey, it's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, if anyone listening wants to check out my YouTube channel and um, everyone's invited to send me an email if there's any questions about QRP or getting started with Summits on the Air or, hey, in this video, what gear were you using? What is that? And I'd yeah. love to talk about it and love yeah. to hear from people. Well, it's great talking with you. And I will definitely uh, link your YouTube channel in the show notes, uh, also your Twitter. But uh, great videos on there. There's a lot of them. Thank you. Considering yeah, this has been uh, a lot of fun, Dennis. Yeah, considering you've been a, a ham for a year, a year and change, you, <laughs> you've got quite a lot of videos there, and um, yeah, they're very entertaining, but they're also very educational. I mean, your the way your discipline and the way that you you prep for these things is is really good. Like even the one I just played earlier in the podcast, where you're talking about resting and your steps of getting prepared for a Mm -hmm. an overnight hike i mean those are important things to to share and to know about doing this kind of stuff because yeah you, you just need to really be ready and uh so yeah i look forward to your future videos hopefully the winter weather does not prevent you from doing what you want to do oh it never does it's always a pleasure to get on skis and, and ski uphill yeah <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Tim. thanks, Dennis. This has been a lot of fun. Really yeah, appreciate thank you. you having me on. Thanks for being on. And for now, I'll say 7 3. I'll catch you online. 7 3.
You've been listening to Hamden Thoughts by AD6DM. Thanks a lot. We'll catch you again next time.